Good evening, everyone. Those of y'all that are here and online, welcome tonight. Before, I, before we start, let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord God in heaven, we are grateful to you that you allowed us to be here this evening. Allow us, Lord God, to again have your mercy and your grace bestowed upon us. We're not deserving, Lord God, of any gift, any blessings you have given us, but you're not us, Lord God. We're so thankful that you're not. We thank you, Lord God, that you're long-suffering, that you're patient with us, that you love us in the way you do. Help us to study tonight that we may understand what your word says to us so that we may live a life that is godly, a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glad to have you all here tonight as we continue our, our study and Christian Fellowship. This week, our lesson is entitled, How Worship Enhances Our Fellowship. And remember, as we talk about fellowship again, and I know I, I hit upon, I harp upon this every week, but it's important that we understand that fellowship does not equate eating. Yes, we do get together and eat with one another, and we share, we, we continue our fellowship with one another, but fellowship is not when you see it written on the board fellowship equals eating fellowship equals eating and talking and laughing and crying and sharing in this love of christ that we have with uh, with one another this bond that that keeps keeps us together this bond that that goes beyond just being here in anchorage and at this congregation every member of the lord's body is part of this fellowship that we have that's why it's so wonderful when we do go visit somewhere else. We have a guest here tonight who some of you all know was, was a member here before, but now he lives in Florida, right, in Jacksonville. But he's a member of the body, and, and he is a, our brother in Christ. And so we share in the fellowship with one another. I just met him tonight, but um, I know some of you all may know him. Thus far, we have been dealing doctrinally uh, about the underpinnings of our life, our life together. Noticing the intimacy and the inter interdependency of our fellowship in the local church, meaning that we depend on one another. Uh, examining the concepts of acceptance and freedom in Christ as they relate to fellowship. And last week, we reviewed what is said about the limitations of our fellowship. We talked about this fellowship, and I know it was a hard lesson. I know that many didn't want to really talk about it, but, you know, discipline in the church it's talked about in the Bible, so we're not going to sugarcoat it or, or run from it. It's in God's Word, so why not study it? With this lesson, I wish to begin to address the application side of our study. And while I'm reading the rest of this, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. What can we do to strengthen our life together? This is kind of what we've already been getting at for the last uh, several weeks. What sort of things enhance the fellowship we enjoy in Christ? I want us to, again, examine various acts of worship that we conduct here in this building, which we do in, a, in our public assemblies, which I believe are designed, <coughs> excuse me, to build and enhance our fellowship in Christ. So, you know, Tony, uh, in the last month or so, has been talking about worship and, and how we 
are to behave in worship and our demeanor and what worship really means. Well, I want us to start examining two acts of worship that we engage in at every service, enhancing fellowship through prayer and song. Let's consider the example of the early church. They were quick to join themselves together in prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they especially enjoyed uh, singing in, in, excuse me, prayer in the face of persecution. Look at Acts chapter 4. I'm reading starting at verse 18. Acts chapter 4. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what, he had, what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them? Who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now look, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak uh, the word of God with boldness. They had fellowship and singing as well. But before we, we talk about the singing, <clears throat> I want to talk about praying. praying, And, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more and how it enhances uh, our fellowship together. But in these examples, can you see <clears throat> can you can can you see how these Christians, these especially these early these new Christians were encouraged by prayer? Can you see that this is something new? These are when we were reading, reading Acts chapter two, this is in the infancy of the church where you have all these Jewish traditions and customs rules and regulations, festivals and uh, feasts that they've done for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus comes, he, he lives, he dies, he's buried, he rose again. And the church is established and all of that goes out the window, essentially. Um, and now they are being persecuted. They're seeing, they're being persecuted. And as you continue reading Acts, you know that they're persecuted even more. 
this is a pretty strong prayer that was prayed. And to me, it seems like they would strengthen them. But I, I don't I don't necessarily want to talk about that just yet because we will. But I just want you to consider how prayer strengthens us right here. And if it doesn't, you may need to consider why it doesn't for yourself. <clears throat> These Christians have fellowship and singing as well. Turn to Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16. They had fellowship and singing as well in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, while they were enduring imprisonment. Verse 25 reads, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Can we talk about what immediately prior to this had happened to Paul and Silas? Anyone, anyone can tell me? Anyone that knows these scriptures here? Someone knows. What happened to Paul and Silas? They kept preaching the gospel, so what happened to them? They got arrested. What else happened to them? You're right. It, was, it would have been just enough, I think, to have arrested them and put them in the stocks that they were in and in change that the other prisoners were not in. But what happened to them? They were beaten. They were beaten and hurt. I mean, beaten to, I would say, an inch of their life. Yet they're sitting in jail, in prison, doing what? Singing. How many of you have been beaten like this? Not me. But let's, let's take the beatings away. How many of you have been down, just really down, hurting and pain? And you may have done this, because I have before, and you just start singing a song that is in your heart. I was reading a, an article yesterday, a brother wrote, about how many Jesus songs can you sing in a day to remind you about Jesus. And then he started writing them down. So uh, he, brought, he tightened them up. So I started thinking about okay, G, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the evening, Jesus in the is it supper time or the, I think it's supper time. Uh, that's what I remember. Or uh, Jesus hold my hand. Jesus be with me every hour. Jesus loves me. What were some more? Oh, how I love Jesus. Did I say Jesus hold my hand? I probably said that. Yeah. These are songs that as you... You ever, you ever hear a song, somebody's humming a song, I know this happens at, in our house often. Someone will be humming a song, it's usually between me and Jennifer, Jennifer and I is. She'll be humming it or I'll be humming it, and all of a sudden the other one is humming it or singing it, and they don't even realize it. But that song brings me joy or may lift me up, maybe encourages me to keep on going. Because guess what, I am trying my best not to let go of God's hand but especially when I'm going through struggles and, and trials. And our songs, the songs that we sing, are, are there to encourage us. There's a song that uh, is written, written in our books, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. The man that wrote that song, uh, when he wrote it, he was struggling, struggling with the death of his wife and his children. On the same boat, or on a, not the same boat, not the same ship, 
but on the same route they had taken from England to the United States to come and see him, but they drowned. And so he was going back to England to, I, I would guess, moralize them or go, go live back home. I don't know that part of the story, but he was so, he was mourning them so much, the only person, only only person he could turn to was God, and so he decided to write a song. There's a, there are a lot of songs written by um, Brother Tito. I think that's how you say his last name. He was a member of the church. We have a lot of songs written in our books, our, our song books by him, and I've read uh, different articles and listened to some interviews by him, and he said, I, I just wanted to give my life to God, and he used the talents that he had to write songs, to express his, his happiness with being with the Lord. We know someone in the Bible that did that, not just with his happiness, but also with his sorrows. And his name was, not all at once, right? You going to tell me? David, right? David wrote a lot of songs. And, and some of the songs that we have in our songbooks are scripture. I mean, they're taken right out of the scripture and there's there's this music accompanying with it. I think, to me, that singing also helps us to note the connection between singing and praying. So when we look at how prayer and song enhances fellowship, we need to see the benefits of prayer, especially collective prayer when we come together. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, I'll be reading verses 4 through Excuse me, six through seven. And yes, usually I'm asking you all to read, but I realize now that those that are out on the internet can't hear you sitting in in seats because for some reason I just knew there were a whole bunch of microphones hanging down from the ceiling, but it's just that one (laughs) And and, and the one over the baptistry and they cannot hear you. So that's why I've been reading them all. But I'll, if you, any of y'all have any comments, I'll just, um, please bear with me. I'll, I'll, I will try to repeat some of the things you said so for the benefit of those who are watching online. Prayer is a wonderful source of strength and peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, <clears throat> Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is special value when brethren pray together. Jesus taught the value of collective prayer in Matthew 18, 19 through 20. And Jesus taught the value of prayer of a righteous man. How much more the value of many righteous people praying together. Let me talk just a little bit about praying. When you were a Jew, living under, um, being a child, excuse me, a, a, in the tribes of Israel, you know, the new, you're on the old covenant and you are a Jew. And I'm not saying that you could not talk to God. I would not stand here and say, well, you couldn't pray to God uh, because Hannah prayed to God and, and the, the prophet thought she was drunk, but uh, she was like, I'm not drunk. I'm just, I'm talking to God, but I'm, he, she was just mouthing 
in her mind she was saying what she was saying. She was mouthing what she was saying. But what I will say is that what is different between the old law and now is that we don't go to Tony and ask Tony to go before God for us, do we? To, to present uh, our sins before God and ask Tony to ask God to forgive us. We don't, we don't do that anymore, right? Yes, we can come to one another and ask each other for, for hey, please pray for me. We can come to one another, but under that law, I couldn't go, I couldn't present myself like the priest could. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to have a direct line of communication with the one that says in, in Genesis chapter 1, what, what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. So that means that before our time, before heaven and earth, as you know, it was God. It's always been God. And God is infinite in wisdom and so powerful and just awesome. I don't, I don't even have all the adjectives to, to explain and to, to describe God. But do you understand that we get to talk to God anytime we want to? We can go before God and just talk to him. I can just by myself talk to God. I can stop right now and just talk to God. And then when we come together, we all together can come and talk to God. Uh, I have, I've done this. Maybe you've done this too. You've done a, a chain prayer maybe where maybe at home or <clears throat> maybe the sisters got together or the brothers got together or the congregation got together. Everybody's holding hands. I know we at the men's retreat, for some of the men that, uh, did, that didn't know this, on the first day of the men, the second day of the men's retreat, men's retreat, Randall, a brother that is over here in the deaf ministry, led a chain prayer. Um, P- Patrick was there to to translate for us, but everyone that was sitting in in the chairs had the opportunity to pray together. And sometimes I've, I've done this before at other places, but sometimes how, sometimes how it works. In one place I was in, I I would start the prayer, but I wouldn't end it, you know, in Jesus' name. It's just when I'm done, the next person picks up. And starts to pray. Sometimes we'll hand out slips of paper. You know, Court, you're going to pray about the children of the congregation. And, and Mike, you're going to pray about this. And Rob, you're going to pray, pray, pray about that. And Bob, you're going to pray about this. And Jaylee, you're going to pray about this. You know, so now I'm focusing on that. But I'm, we're talking to God. And in that meeting, that time, we were able to go around and listen to the prayers of those who we can't hear. And it was great to hear Pat, Patrick, you know, translate what they were saying uh, to God. They, they're not praying to me, they're praying to God. And it's, it was, gave me strength, gave me encouragement, as prayer should. So when we get together and, and you have problems, you have issues, when you think you're the only one going through what you're going through, I won't call her out, but I know there's a sister sitting in this room right now that when someone else went forward one Sunday, she was encouraged by that. Because she wanted to, but was not sure that she could. And that person that asked for prayers encouraged her to be able to do the same in a, in a more private setting. Prayer changes things. I know it does, and, and I know it has for you. You just have to be... Be patient with God, because he sure is patient with us. Through the benefits of song, especially collective singing, 
singing can can certainly be an individual expression of praise, uh, James 5.13. But when it is done together, it also serves as a form of mutual mutual, uh, edification. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm already there. Colossians 3, verse 16. When done together, also singing, that is, it also serves as a form of mutual, mutual edification, which can lead to increased blessings for such uh, collective singing can nurture a heart of thanksgiving, thank, thankfulness excuse me, to God and help us to f- be filled with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Excuse me, in your hearts to God. Turn to Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And starting in verse 18 in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The early church certainly took advantage of the full blessings to be found in prayer and song. They did not only um, pray and sing as individuals, but they did it collectively as well. This helped to strengthen the fellowship they enjoyed in Christ. I will tell you that <clears throat> a lot of you have children uh, in this room. And I, I, I'll tell you that it brings me great joy when, as I'm teaching, or as we're teaching our children about God as they're growing up, and, and we're teaching them about prayer. Not don't pray like daddy, don't pray like mom, pray like you, but know that you can just talk to God. And teaching how you address God and who he is and the respect you have for him and what are you going to talk to him about and it's not always about me but you know but as they're growing up they they don't know that yet but it not, nothing I, I am I am nothing warms my heart more when I ask one of the boys to pray one of the younger boys to pray on our way here to the to the building or uh, for something else that we have going on maybe we might be here at the building or somewhere else doing something where we're going to pray. And they start praying about things I would have never thought they thought about. You know, and asking God to watch over you all as you travel to the church building. Because there's lots of ice and snow out on the ground. And we want everybody to be out there safely. And we want everyone to be able to worship together and participate together and be able to make it back home safely. Another thing I think about prayer is another preacher friend of mine. He mentioned something about <clears throat> about I guess sometimes we call it grace or we pray over our food. He said, "Do you know that when you pray over your food, that food is now different than the food that somebody else in the restaurant is eating that hasn't prayed over their food?" He said, "Because you've asked God to bless this food that you're eating right there." I was like, wow. I mean, I know I, I know I do that, but I hadn't thought about that. 
I hadn't thought about that. This food is set apart. It's different than the food that maybe somebody else is eating. Not that somebody's going to choke on their food or die or something from it, but that this food, because I've asked God to bless it. Could I just eat it without, without um, praying over it? I'm going to tell you, Jason, Jason won't, because that's all I know. I mean, Jesus blessed the, uh, the, the Passover meal that they were eating, so he gave us an example, so that's why I know that's why I do it. The prayer is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Another brother, another preacher friend of mine has said, uh, use the acronym or across it, PUSH, pray until something happens. You know, sometimes when we pray, what we want to happen does not happen. In fact, sometimes it's the total opposite, that God still answers prayers. And how do you know that God answered your prayer? How do you not know that maybe he answered Mr. Ken's prayer about the same thing? We don't know, so we just keep praying. We pray to God because all things, all good things come from the Father. And yes, God knows, <coughs> excuse me, God knows what we need and what we want before we even think about it, right? Just like you as a parent know what your children often want <laughs> and, and need before they think about it. Or you know what they need, but you still want them to ask you for it because as children, they know, well, that, that comes from mom and dad. Just like we all should know that everything comes from the Lord. Everything good, good thing comes from the Lord. So prayer is a wonderful thing, but even more so when we do it together. Any comments before we move on? Anyone? All right. What about us today? Do we allow prayer and song to strengthen our fellowship of the body of Christ? All we've been talking about is those in the New, uh, New Testament. <clears throat> New Testament church, do we see the value in devoting much of our service to prayer and song? Let's now take a look at an act of worship to engage in every first day of the week, which is the Lord's Supper. And we can enhance our fellowship through the taking of communion together. There are several important aspects of the supper. So let's look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. It's often in scripture that we turn to. This is a, when I was growing up. As a, uh, as a very young Christian, these verses right here, I had to memorize because that's what I was going to say when I got up to um, serve on the table. Not knowing that there were other scriptures that I could have gone to, but I knew 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 20, I think it was 28. What we find in verses 23 to 25 is that this is a moral that was instituted by the Lord himself. Starting at verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he broke, when he we had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as, an, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Often we have on tables, you see that up there on the table, this do in remembrance of me. This commemorates the death of Jesus on the cross for all of our sins. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. When we look in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we also say, see that it is a proclamation. We're proclaiming um, something. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, in which we proclaim our faith in it 
uh, in Jesus' death on our behalf. And it is to be done till he comes again. So it is also a proclamation of our faith in his second coming. A lot of folks will say, why you Church of Christers, you, you people that think y'all the only ones going to heaven, take the Eucharist or the communion or the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Doesn't it become mundane? Doesn't it become just a tradition? Doesn't it become, well, what have you heard? Anyone? What's that? Doesn't it become expensive to who? That's what I would want to say sometimes, right? Uh, on, a, on a side note, Welch's grape juice, until, like, I'm talking about maybe 10 years ago, y'all, I would not drink it because that, you, that, you only use that for communion. You don't drink that by itself, right? That's sacrilegious. That's what I used to think. But how often do we forget the wonderful gift that God gave us through Jesus. Sometimes, I know I often do it because I sin every day. We need to be reminded, do we not? And that's why someone gives us a focus to hopefully put our minds where it, it, it need, they need to be if it's not there already. We're proclaiming Jesus' death till he comes. He hasn't come back yet, so we need to continue proclaim. We, we're saying that we also believe that he's going to come back. We, we believe that he died for us and that he rose and that he's going to come back someday. It is to be a period of extreme reverence. Verses 27 and 29. Whoever therefore eats the bread <coughs> or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. I used to wonder, what, what was this talking about? Where well, is to be observed in a worthy manner? Out of respect for the supreme price Jesus paid for our sins. When I was a little, little kid, I guess let me tell you this about, about my family. My mom's side of the family, all members of the, of the body of Christ, just about. My dad's side of the family, not so much at all. And I remember when I, when my mom and dad, well, it was before they, they got divorced. I remember we used to have to spend a lot of time with my grand, grandmother Jackson, who was Methodist. And I used to, when I was real little, we used to go to worship with her. And we would go to Bible class, and then we would go into the, to the sanctuary, into the, to the area where we we're solemn and we're going to worship. And I'm not trying to make fun of that. This room that we're in, when we are worshiping God, it becomes something different. But this is just a building. And they took it to a, a, a stream that I now know, like, wow, that this is now strange to me. But when I was a little kid, I used to sit in the back of the room. I don't know which Sunday it happened, but I wanted to be those little boys that had the little candles that would go all the way to the front and either snuff out the candles or light them. I didn't know what that was about. And I knew also that there were some little altar places up, the little tables that were covered, and that every so often they would open them up and there would be some crackers and juice up there because that's how I looked at it. And then if I was a good boy, I could go to Grandma and eat me a wafer and drink me some more grape juice. I was not discerning the body. 
And I often wonder how many other people were not discerning the body. Because not everybody took a communion. It was just if you felt the spirit move within you, you can go up there and kneel down and you can take the wafer and you can drink the juice. It's so much more than just crackers and juice, right? It, it really is. And Jesus did a wonderful thing for us. And he's asked us to take the, the, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine as a memorial to remember what he did for us until he came, comes back. And when we are, I, I don't know what you're thinking about. I don't know what you're doing when we are taking the Lord's Supper. And I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing other than to remember that it is a, you should be in reverence to God. You should be, this, this is a Solomon. This is why we're here. We're to remember Jesus. And if you're thinking about all sorts of other things, then you're not giving it its proper respect. It's a time of self-examination, as verse 28 tells us. And it is a communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 lets us know that it's a sharing in fellowship with the blood and the body of Christ. Certainly then a vertical relationship and fellowship with Christ as we commune. There's also the element of fellowship with others as we commune with one another. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll go ahead and read verse 16 since I mentioned that. But verse 16 and 17. <laughs> the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a uh, participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a particip- participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, but we all partake of the one bread. Though many, we are one bread and one body. Why? For we all partake of the one bread, as it says there. There are at least two possible ways to view this. First, partaking of of the one bread together reminds us of our oneness, our fellowship. That's what I've been talking about the last few weeks. Partaking of of, of the bread together, secondly, strengthens our oneness or fellowship. Both views are plausible and both are accomplished. Whether or not that is what Paul actually had in mind. And this way of the supper is an act of worship in which, we, which there is both a vertical um, fellowship, communion with the Lord's body and blood, and a horizontal fellowship, communion with one another. This helps us to see some implications in several passages. So Acts 20 and 7, uh, when the disciples came together to break bread. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. when you come together to eat, wait for one another. The supper is designed to be communion, a communal meal. Even as a Passover, from which the Lord took elements to institute the Lord's Supper, was a common meal. The Lord's Supper is more than just a personal act of devotion between a Christian and his Lord. As we partake together, it should remind us of our fellowship in the one body of Christ, and by such remembrance, strengthen our sense of fellowship. So now let's take a look at an act of worship, which we may consider may be considered by some as the least spiritual and therefore least likely to build fellowship. Enhancing fellowship through the weekly collection. I'm not here to preach about you all giving. I just want to show you how even giving increases our fellowship with one another. Some may view the collection as a way to pay the bills, as a mere mechanical detail necessary to raise money to pay the bills, as a rude intrusion of secular necessity 
into an otherwise spiritual service, such as singing, praying, Bible study. These are all spiritual activities. But the collection, what does taking up money or mammon, as scripture says, have to do with worshiping God? With this view, some might think to themselves, hurry up and pass the place so we can get on with more spiritual matters. A private act between the Christian and his God. Some may understand that there is spiritual side to collection. That giving is an act of devotion to God. That I am giving back to him as he has prospered me. Yet may view the collection solely as a private matter between a person and his God with no bearing on one's fellowship with others. So let's see what the Bible says about it. Turn back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verse, starting at verse 44. The church in Jerusalem, and if we do a brief survey of the given in the New Testament, it may be helpful for us to see the spiritual side of it. The church in Jerusalem, there was a commendable spirit of giving for brethren in need. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 44. Scripture there says, and all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, if you don't know the context of these scriptures here, you need to understand that you have all of these folks that were in Jerusalem for a feast. Not not uh, Passover, but now Pentecost. They're they're doing their normal thing, what they do every year, coming coming to this feast, and now they're Christians, and they've stuck around. I don't know about you, uh, when you go on a trip, like if you're traveling, say to Texas, you're gonna take you you have provisions. Well, I, I I'll go to Florida. If I'm going to Florida, I'm going to West Palm Beach. I'm gonna have to plan for that. I'm gonna have to make sure I have enough money set aside. And let's say we don't really want to drive there, but let's say we drive all the way down there, right? I need I need to make sure that I've set up the hotels all the way down there. And, you know, uh, I'm cheap, as some folks would tell me. Uh, we cooked enough chicken and sandwiches. <laughs> no, that's what we used to do when I was growing up, though. We never stopped and ate anything. Mama always had bologna sandwiches and chicken and stuff. But you still have to plan. Cold, cold fried chicken tastes good, but... You still have to plan for all of that. Say we get down there, now a catastrophe happens, or we have to stay longer than we plan on it. Well, eventually those provisions are going to run out. That's what was happening here in Jerusalem. People didn't plan to stay that long, and as Christians, they pooled their resources together. It was a wonderful thing. This evidently was a free will offering. Not something required. Acts 5, 1 through 4. Here we have Christians in one congregation helping each other. Same thing happened in the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. Uh, the ministry of Paul in Galatians 2, 9 through 10 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16. A careful study of these verses revealed the biblical view of the collection. A means of supplying need. The needs of the impoverished brethren. 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Also, the needs of the preaching brethren. We find many scriptures like Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, and uh, chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, and 2 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9. 
The collection is a means of building and strengthening fellowship. It's also a way to help fulfill the needs of those who are searching for the Lord, but all they see is the troubles that they have with them. So, uh, with them right now. I mean, I, much as we want to preach and teach God's word to the world, to, to, to the whole state of Alaska, to right here in Anchorage, there are people that are hurting financially for however, whatever way they got into that, the, the mess they're, they're in, they're hurting financially. And a lot of times when you're hurting financially, you cannot put food on the table. You can't eat. We have a pantry here, so I know that we, we do give some food out. I'll tell you there are others here in this congregation I, that I know for a fact that are going out into the homeless community and passing out food. And also, if they get the opportunity to share the gospel with them or share with them, hey, we are here on the Bar Road. If you ever get a chance, please come down and see us. You, we're, they're fulfilling a need. My stomach is growling. I can't hear you talking about Jesus. Y'all, y'all get my point? I mean, you, Jesus even did that to a certain point. He was like, okay, after a while, he was like, okay, you're only following me now because I'm feeding you. So I'm not going to do this anymore. And a lot of people did leave him. And the same thing is going to happen. It's, it's going to happen to us as well. But helping someone with their needs may ask them, may make them go, why are you helping me? There's a door. There's a door that's open for you now. Why? Well, because this is what Jesus would do. This is what God's word tells me to do as a servant of Christ. And let me tell you about Jesus. This, this is a door opening um, for him. So, yes, we use the money. Yes, we do pay bills. Yes, we do have a staff we pay. But that is so far away from why we collect on Sundays. It's commanded by God. Something that not... Not just something that we do, but something that helps us even grow here spiritually. I'll tell you, the money that, that we, we give our every, every Sunday is going to help with me funding the, the lectureship that's coming in April. You know, to, to make sure that those, those brothers and sisters that are coming here to, to visit, to worship with us during that weekend can come here and, and study God's word and, and grow together in Christ that we can be in here in this comfortable building right now while it's cold outside. Yet, we don't have to be in here. I'd much rather be in here, but we don't have to be in here. We could be outside in some tents with some heaters or something and in the snow and still be having a study. I think y'all get my point. Know how Paul viewed his support received from Philippi. Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Know how Paul viewed the collection of the Gentile churches who were sending their Jew to their Jewish brethren. There were, there were congregations that, that were poor, yet they were able to give so much to Paul so he can go and help other Christians. Every act of worship is designed to enhance our fellowship in the body of Christ, and I hope you see it that way. Every time we sing together, every time we pray for one another, pray for one another, every time we give, Every time we listen to God's word being read and studying it ourselves, every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is for us to be able to enhance our fellowship in the body of Christ. There are elements of worship that are of a personal devotion, that have a personal devotion uh, to them, or elements of personal devotion in each of them. But we come together for a reason, and that reason includes enhancing our fellowship through 
activities which bind us together, close together in Christ. There, as I mentioned on Sunday, there are so many, so many, so many activities that are in this bulletin and the emails that get sent out and things that we do. I I was kind of sad that I was not kind of sad that I couldn't make it to the last good timers uh, because I always have a good time doing good timers. Uh, I know it's weird, but I just said that. But there's nothing like, and I was, I told somebody this at work. I told somebody at work about good timers. I said, you know, we get to get together and play some card games. I don't know that I will ever understand foot and mouth or whatever it's called. Uh, What is it called? Huh? Hand and foot. I don't, I don't. One day I may sit down and try to learn how to play it, but um, I taught this brother how to play Uno. And then he beat us in the next game. Like, horribly, right? But I didn't have to worry about him cursing me out or turning the table over or getting mad. Because if I'm playing something like that in the world, people get all upset and they're not Christians. And they, they say things and do that. Why can't I have a good time with my brothers and sisters in Christ? And it enhances our fellowship with one another. This Friday, we're going to do, for those of y'all that can make it, the first principles Fridays where people can come in and just ask questions. I don't know everything. It's for us together to search God's word, to see what God's word says about questions that people have. That's going to enhance our fellowship. John is teaching some classes or having some classes done every month so that the men in this congregation and the ladies, but it's just particularly the men who are going to be serving and doing worship services can learn how to do those things without being embarrassed uh, and feeling like they can't do it, you know, in front front of everyone. Because it really is not for all of us. It's for us to please God. That is just going to enhance, enhance our fellowship. Everything we do, anytime Court and I talk to one another, except when he's wearing a Lakers shirt, uh, he, it enhances our fellowship with one another. Tuesday nights when we have the the men's Bible class here, when, when we're able to be here, and enhances. Anytime you walk through the door and we're speaking to one another, and we talk to one another, and we're kind to one another, because when we're mean to one another, that doesn't enhance anything. When we're kind to one another, we're not rude, we're respectful. We want to ask how people are doing. We, we want to know what's going on in, in your life. You get a card in the mail, someone telling you happy birthday, or I missed you, or, or something. It enhances our fellowship with one another. So the things that the things the acts of worship that we we spend with one that we do here and the things that we do outside of worship all enhances our fellowship with one another. Never forsake the assemblies of ourselves. Hebrews ten twenty four to twenty five, so that we can seek we can truly seek to enjoy our life together. Let's take advantage of the tools that God has ordained to draw us closer to Him and to one another. Next week we'll talk about enriching our lives together. I'm. These next few lessons are all positive. I mean, we won't be back down into discipline anymore, but discipline was important. I hope you all see that. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for this day. Thank you, Lord, again, for allowing us to be able to be here to study more about your word and how we are thus live on this earth according to your will. We ask that you bless us now as we go into a period of devotion and that you may be pleased with what we have to offer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming to class. do appreciate it.